This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And thank you to our special sponsors, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think people don't know Iris is they were ahead of the game for MTD phase one because they were the first software there to be listed as approved by the HMRC TD filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to to see this? It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That stands for making tax digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole making tax digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin? That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, Iris know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Hi, welcome to our special guest interview for this week. And I'm thrilled to have with me today an old friend. It's Chris Argent from Generation CFO. Chris, welcome. Good afternoon, Rob. Nice to be here. Chris, for people that haven't come across you and the great stuff that you do, what is it that you're all about? So we are all about promoting future and current CFOs um, to be leaders of sustainable, high-performing businesses. You said that before, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, many a time. Yeah, and we do that through a a community and we do that with technology in mind. So we've kind of got that tech side. How long have you been going? Well, there are two answers to that. The first one is three years, pretty much, since we've incorporated the company. But actually, we started out as a LinkedIn group about 13 years ago. You know, you know a lot about building communities. It started out as an idea and group of people coming together. And that grew and grew and grew. And now there's 70 odd thousand on a LinkedIn group. And you've probably got a reach of about 100,000. Well, it's important to our listeners here that they're mostly accounting practitioners because in these challenging times, accountants are certainly wanting to, perhaps being asked to, take on more of that financial advisory role, that maybe interim CFO or part-time FD or whatever you want to call it. So your world and my world collides, if you like. So just give us a little bit of flavor of where the CFO status is at right now. What's happening in your world? Yeah, you're right. I I appreciate you're more on the sort of accounting and and practice side, but I work with a lot of accountants. I almost see it as a spectrum from, you know, that, that space all the way through to, you know, growth company CFOs to the big enterprise CFOs. So we kind of have the same problems, but just in different size companies. I think the biggest thing for CFOs at the moment is is meeting business demand. You know, I think so many companies have just survived over the last couple of years, um, big and small. So many have had to go through significant change in how they're working, how they're operating. They might have realized that, you know, their, their teams are creaking a bit or their systems are creaking a bit, um, but they still have, and that's internal to, to them, but externally with the business and with their customers, they, you know, they still need to, to keep stepping up to the demand. So I think there's a massive pull on, on CFOs. And I imagine in the, the, the firm and the accounting side and the, the, the virtual CFO side, you know, there's lots of conversations that people might be having for the first time and being more of a business partner to those people rather than just, you know, provider of an accounts every now and again. And we know the role of an accountant is changing gradually. They've been that way for many, many years. Double entry bookkeeping has been ever thus. But we know this downward compression and compliance fees, the 
bread and butter of what accountants have done over the years, that historical financial reporting, that's been largely devalued. The modern day business owner is very much looking forward. So accountants are wanting to become more trusted advisors and be more consultative and future looking in their approach. Has the role of a CFO changed much over the years? Yeah, I, th- I think they have you know, equal pressure. You know, they are being asked to step up into areas that they wouldn't necessarily look at before. As much as there's, you know, the commoditization of services in practice and in audit, you know, there's the commoditization of finance and accounting teams in industry. And, you know, people are expected to start, you know, remo- removing transactional process heads that aren't necessarily seen as valuable, do a lot more on the business partnering side. I talk about that in the sort of the digital team and the nature of this digital team. And it doesn't matter, you know, I train people on the practice side as much as the the finance side around the sort of digital shift. And, you know, what we're seeing is that traditional triangle of lots of people doing stuff at the bottom and the leader at the top is changing. It's turning more into a diamond shape as we automate our processes, as we commoditize that transactional side to what we do, you know, whether it is, AP or whether it's audit, it's all the same. And we're trying to sort of move up the curve a little bit. I think one of the biggest problems that I see in in practice at the moment is the debate around the pricing of that, because client services and audit have, you know, kind of relied on this charging by the hour model. But if we are generally being screwed down on price there and we're having to move into this advisory service or data analytics, as we might call it in an industry, you know, who's paying for it? How do we pay for it? And CFOs have a similar challenge in articulating their value. Accountants struggle with pricing. You're absolutely right. They struggle with pricing, positioning the services, pricing the services, and often delivering those advisory type consulting services. But it's all about value. You'll be mindful that price is only ever an objection in the absence of value. And the CFOs justify their place on the board or try and get buy-in for their messages, their strategies. It's all about credibility. It is all about getting your story right. There's similar things on both sides. There's, there is a route for this kind of, you know, modern CFO to be the right hand man or woman of the CEO and stepping into that CEO role. But there, that's the exception, not the norm. You've got to sell it though, haven't you as well? You've got to sell that role and get the credibility for it. Yeah, absolutely. You, you've got to have a seat at the table. And what does it mean to have a seat at the table? Well, it means meeting the demands of your business. And if you're not meeting the demands of your business, then you know you might just be seen as the budget guy or the numbers guy and, and nothing else. You know, We need to be thinking about how we can truly partner with the business, how, how we can create impact with the business, you know, how we can provide more information or analytics or whatever it is to support decision-making and enable decisions rather than just saying, you know, where's your budget at? Or there's some variance analysis we need to be looking at. How can we almost open the opportunity, open the bank at the right time to invest in, you know, opportunities and be agile in that approach rather than just saying, well, this is how we we do it. We command control and, and we'll have a conversation next year. No, it's very, very different sort of landscape that we're operating in. And, and there are huge number of examples out there of great CFOs, digital first CFOs, real innovators. But I have to say in, in the mid-market and in the in the majority of cases, there are a lot of people who are just sort of doing what they've always done. And they're getting challenged, not just from the business, but also from their own teams as 
Generation Z starts to come into the profession and, you know, they don't really like the environment that they're seeing, not, not just because they're young, is that they're more tech savvy. They might have done computer science. They might be more aware of what a good application is or how things can be automated. And so why do I start at the bottom? You know, why am I doing this transactional processing or this audit review in this way? Can I please change it? So, yeah, there's factors top and bottom, I think, putting pressure on CFOs. So many great points coming out here, Chris. You write a lot, you speak a lot. You have the view that digital is now a core subject. It's not just something on the periphery, is it? No, not at all. And, you know, look, I've been on quite a journey with this myself. I don't expect anybody to sort of, you know, have a light bulb moment when I say these things. But my journey on this was born out of a, a real life situation when I was, you know, a financial controller in a business and I found a fraud and it ruined my life for a year as I did all the forensics and the legal work on it. And there was a point where I just felt like I was part of the problem, you know, poor process, low tech, low data, whatever it was. So I, I moved into finance transformation and that's kind of where I am a good 15 years later. But it really planted a seed at that point that technology was core to the solution. But obviously, I've evolved my view since then. It's not just about the tools. It's very much about, you know, the people and the processes and you can get a lot of gains just by having the right sort of attitude towards, you know, solutioning and improving what you do before you even change your tools. But yeah, I, I work with accounting institutions, um, the ACCA and the AAT. I work with some of the leading, you know, L&D providers um, on this subject. And everybody is saying, we know it's relevant. We know it's almost like a, peer, a pillar of skills in its, in its own right. But how do we get there? And what I aim to do with my work is really show people that there's a pathway, potentially an alternative career within our, our profession, and not being a data scientist, but within our profession and, you know, help, help people find that career path. And we're not asking accountants and CFOs to become geeks and nerds here. There's a lot to think about with the technology. But digital transformation is as much about the mindset and the approach as it is about the tech itself, presumably. Yeah, if I turn around to you and say, let's do some data analytics, you know, most people will say, okay, can I go and buy a tool? Can you put me on a Power BI course or a Tableau or a Click course? But actually, stop. What is it that you're trying to solve? You know, have you spoken to the business about what information they need? You know, we're very good at reporting the wrong information at the moment. There's a concept, obviously, around leading and lagging indicators, and we are very good at reporting lagging indicators, which means, you know, the fact it's the end of the line, it's the revenue, it's the cost, it's the sales. What we need to be doing is looking further down the process, you know, from a sales point of view, it could be how many sales meetings we're having, or, you know, from a profit point of view, it might be the quality of the product or whatever, something further down the metrics, the KPIs further down that process and report on that. That is a big conversation to agree those questions, to agree those metrics, to find the data relating to that before you even pick up a tool. One of the biggest epiphanies to most people when they do talk to me is that there's a huge non-technical data digital skill set out there. You know, they see as digital as all geeky and, and techy and I need to be a coder. Absolutely not. You know, we are analysts at heart. We're very good when it comes to problem solving. We're in a great position to go and ask all these questions of the business of our clients, even on audit, you know, assess how we actually operate now and then change, you know, maybe we'll need technical support at that point, but there's so much we can do before we even get to the tools. And you do need to understand the tools market when you get there, but it's certainly not the right place to start. 
Talk to us about Generation CFO. Who is in it and what do you do for them? It's a ge- classic kind of passion project turned into the job. <laughs> yes. We started out as a LinkedIn group. I wanted to encourage a conversation around, you know, the things that I was seeing. I was fortunate enough to be in some leading companies doing finance transformation, data analytics, advanced analytics with data science and machine learning. And I could see where it was all going. And, you know, 13 years ago, it was a very lonely place trying to talk about this stuff. Now everyone wants a bit. So what I thought what I'd do is I'd try and get people together. And we had started to have community events, which then evolved into something a bit more formal. I started to share my sort of opinions via a blog and the blog turned into a website. And like I said, three years ago, I actually moved out of finance transformation and, you know, being a practitioner in analytics to to basically head of a community and founder of what Generation CFO is. And now it is a first a sort of community of people in industry, accounting and finance. They get together to discuss subjects. They obviously read a lot of educational content that we put out there as well. We also showcase people. We're really keen on promoting people who are, who are making the shift, um, CFOs who are taking a bit of a risk and maybe bringing in new ways of working, new tools. But also younger people, we do something called Team Talks, which is about not calling out the generational gap, but sort of saying, hey, look, this is how we might do it. Or, you know, there are other ways of doing it. Or have you thought about, you know, this skill set? Did you even know that I did computer science as well as accounting? Whatever it is. Um, but we're just really just trying to celebrate, you know, the finance community, give them the credit that they need while also promoting, you know, the future, which we believe is this third pillar of, of digital and data skills. Peer learning is so important, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It, you know, people, it, it's funny. Like we just launched a, a kind of like an information product called the CFO Tech 100, which was all about top tech in, in our space, in the industry space, not zero and that lot. It's very different. But we went out to ask people, you know, what, what do you want to get from these things? And we started talking about reviews and the like. And when we did our focus group, they sort of said, no, we don't trust reviews. We don't really get our information in that way. We get our information by coming to events like yours or to conferences, industry conferences, and talking to our peers. And it's there's that trust, right? We're all professionals trying to help each other out. I rarely sort of have the competitor conversation with anyone. It's like, oh, I can't talk to that CFO because they're in a competitor. It's just like, you know, and even Chatham House rules, I don't think it's even necessary with these sorts of conversations. Just share and learn and then go away and implement in private fine but you know the peer learning that you get when you come to these events is fantastic you know we make it social we make it informal you know i have a bit of a stock phrase which is change is structured learning and if change is structured peer learning then you know i'm all for encouraging that sort of peer learning experience because it will lead to the change you know we we have had so many examples of people coming away from our events with a new contact or with another tool in mind and going and implementing it. Yes. And we're doing something similar with the accounting influencer roundtable. We're much smaller than you and we don't run face-to-face events so much, but we are very much around sharing market intelligence, that peer over the garden wall. We do have some accounting practitioners, but it's mostly the influencers that sell to and through accountants in our group. But it's knowing what other people are doing and what's working for you and what isn't. And save me some time by breaking some myths for me and helping me unlearn some things and stop me going down dead ends that it's the wrong way to go, the wrong person to partner with. And that peer conversation is valuable. I'm now doing a completely different job. I'm sort of 
part media, part events kind of company. And I happen to be like the, the subject matter expert at the top of it. When I first started setting this thing up, I had no idea what I was doing. All honesty, it's out there. But I found a few, not mentors, but a few people that I would consider experts in this, more experienced than me in this. I had two or three phone calls with these people and I almost had my 10-year business plan. Yeah, and that's the power of finding the right people, not just anybody. And I do think that conferences can be massively overwhelming. Most people in accounting and finance get their information from their institutions or from those events. Conferences can be massively overwhelming. You know, the institutional information can be a little bit too high level. You know, you actually need to operationalize this stuff. And that's when the peer learning comes in. It's like, well, what did you do? You know, how did you do it? What sort of person did you have in doing that? You know, how much effort did you put on the change side and the mindset as much as anything else? Oh, you're doing an automation project. Was it about the tool or was it about fixing the process before you automated? It's like all these conversations are so helpful and it's all cost of a glass of wine. We just throw it on for you. Obviously, events are a big part of it. How do you feel the event space is right now as you're more in that than ever before? Are events fit for purpose? We're in virtual, we're Going back a little bit to -to face-to-face, what's your take on the whole events thing, Chris? I think events are really important because they are, you know, in our research, they're number two in in terms of sort of information for for CFOs. So people will go to these places. You know, there's lots of sources of information out there, especially on new technology, new trends or the like. But really the conferences are number two. And I feel that they they need to change because they are, they're very overwhelming to some people. They are events company profit motive led, you know, so of course you're going to try and get in as many sponsors and as many people as you can, as many faces as you can. But if we're talking about change equals structured learning, you know, how do you, how do you get anything out of a conference like that? You need to, you can do, but you have to be really prepared and you have to really narrow in on what you want. So I I feel that events need to, you know, in our space, they need to change towards what people need, which is a more educational kind of offer. They need to be probably less about the tools because that's not where we're starting. I know there's a profit motive there with the big companies. Selling floor space with with vendors is is important, and we do the same, right? But really, the, the you know, we work hard with our vendors to sort of say, look, we want to fix a problem. It's not about the tool. It's not about a demo. We need to encourage people to change their mindset. So we'll have a, a real partnership conversation with our sponsors and partners before we get to an event. And I, I know I just encourage people to go to these events, whether they're online or offline with a plan so that they can actually take something constructive out of it. Because I just find, you know, that the big ones are a little bit too big. I completely agree with you. Having a plan is primary. One of the biggest fall downs for events is that they brag about great networking opportunities and have great conversations. But what are accountants and CFOs like at networking? Not great. So you're stuck in a room next to somebody that you don't know. You don't really know how to talk to. You know there's a lot of rich conversations out there that you don't know how to have. The vendors are more than willing to talk to you, and they'll talk to anyone about anything. But that networking part of it is overwhelming. And certainly the information thrown at accountants and CFOs at events is overwhelming. That's the kind of thing you're alluding to, I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. And look, some of these sort of shows are expos, you know, they're meant to be, you know, exhibitions. They're not trying to be an educational event. They're not trying to sort of get you to somewhere. It really is just, you know, build it and they'll come. You know, events need to change if there's going to be higher value for people. So maybe looking sustainably at an event, they need to change. Also the the whole hybrid, you know, shift. We were always virtual, you know, long before the pandemic. And a lot of people came to us and said, how do you do this? You know, when, when it went into the pandemic, we've always been, been virtual. And then we do the, the sort of quarterly community meetups, um, both north and south of the UK now. And, to, you know, the real secret to networking with, with accountants? <laughs> Go on. A welcome drink. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's what we, we work hard at, at keeping it informal, People don't turn up just for the drink. They don't turn up just for the, you know, the night out. They turn up for the content and the learning and the networking. But what we try to do is give a bit of a balance of both. And we make sure that people have a drink. They have a chance to catch up beforehand. We then, you know, deliver the content and the learning. And then we probably have a good sort of hour and a half afterwards where people have that, that chat. And, you know, I call, call it not working rather than networking, try to connect the right people. So I, pretty much personally know everyone that's turning up. Um, so you can sort of say, well, you're in retail, you're in retail, or you're using that system, you're using that system. It, it, it's sort of joining the dots as a as a sort of head of the community is, is super important to those events. I get that. And when you say events is number two, what's number one? Well, in terms of information, it's actually the accounting institutions. So most people still rely on you know the accounting institutions magazines and websites and the, what they put on for them as members and students for their source of information the problem i have and i work very closely with them providing them the information the problem i have with that is that they are across so many different things they are not just digital and technology that and you know every industry out there and whether someone's gone into practice or not all of the messaging is really high level and, you know, we've worked with their professional insights teams and things like that to do research and they create great research. You know, I'm not knocking what they put out. It's just that it's so broad that it has to be fairly light. And what people need is, is the operationalization of it. We get the message, guys. We know we need to do this, but how do I do it? What sort of mastering level do I need? Not just, you know, the fanfare of, hey, let's do a you know, a transformation program, it's it's the nuts and bolts. So we've got to, you know, help people to sort of go to that level. And I really firmly believe as well that this is our journey to go on. It's not about bringing in third-party consultancies with massive teams and making a change or handing it out to somebody because you don't quite get it. I think it's really important that we go on this change because the profession is changing in this way. So if you don't go on that change and you hand it to someone else, then you're probably at some point going to be out of step with the, the profession. What's coming up for the CFO accounting world, in your view? What needs to change in the profession? What needs to change? Um, Have a rant. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I think CFOs have a very tough job. I think fi- anyone working in accounting and finance firstly needs a pat on the back. Um, I think a lot of them have been behind the saving of a lot of companies over the last couple of years. And they're, they're very much the unsung heroes. You know, it was amazing how, 
you know, all that silent work that we've done for so many years became most important um, in during the pandemic. You know, never talked about scenario planning and cash flow so much in my life. You know, no one no one cared before the pandemic. So, I, first of all, pat people on the back for that. I think the real change that I that I'd like to see is to stop looking backwards. You know, whether it is looking back at the profession to say that we've always done it this way, whether it's looking backwards in terms of the information we provide. We need to kind of look forward to the business, look forward to where our careers are heading, look forward in the in the data and the numbers and provide information on that side. And that's going to mean a little bit of an identity shift. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You know, there's plenty of people out there to help you on the journey, you included. So I think that the identity shift is something that I really hope people can work on and, and believe in uh, and, go, and go on that sort of new modern digital finance function journey, whatever it, whatever it is you want to call it. That's an encouraging call to arms. Chris Argent of Generation CFO, that's been great. Thanks so much for your time and your insights today. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure being here. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.